0: Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance
1: Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other,
0: and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Teresa Kitchens, and I am your host, and I am thrilled because today we are talking Carrie, she's with Gen Cap and she is a workers' comp queen, y'all. She knows the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, and we want to give a personal shout out to our very good friend, Ciara, who gave us the amazing um, uh, introduction between us, and she, I know, has, has been good friends with Ciara for a very long time, and we are thrilled today to be able to partner up with Ciara with Bunker Your Risk to be able to have Carrie on today, and talk to us a little bit about Worker's Comp and her journey in the insurance space.
1: Welcome, Carrie. Thanks for having me, Teresa.
0: Well, I am really, really pumped because any friend of yours is definitely a friend of mine. And um, I am so excited to be able to chat with you a little bit today. So tell me how you got in the industry and why you kind of do what you do.
1: Yeah, so like many people, I never had any desire to go into insurance. <laughs> yep. It was sort of something. That, that all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. As a, you know, my idea of insurance was an 80s sort of vibe of an office with a bunch of cubicles. Everything's great. Everyone's in khakis, not where I wanted to end up. Um, but my uncle is an agent in Atlanta, and he um, had always begged me to get an insurance. He said, insurance needs more, more women. We're yep. getting gold. We're male, pale, and stale. We got to have some diversity in it. And you would do great. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. No, thanks. Um, and about... Three months before I graduated college, he had dinner with me and he was like, What's your plan? And I said, Yes, still not insurance. I'll find something else to do. <laughs> and he called me about two months before or two weeks before I graduated and said, So how's that job coming along? And I said, Oh my God, help. I'll take anything. So he, you know, got me connected with a couple of companies and I interviewed at three or four companies and I ended up at Risk Innovations, which has now become GenCap. And I haven't looked back since. If I said that I loved it from the very first minute that I started, that would be lying. Um, But I am so thankful for the foundation that I had in my first couple of years, um, You know, pushing business around mostly copy and paste machine. But I actually got to learn the industry a bit and get into a sales role where I think it's the best fit for me. So that's sort of my journey into where I'm at today.
0: I love that. I love that. So you kind of worked your way up a little bit. You started Mm -hmm. off, I guess, completely unlicensed, completely, you know, new to the industry, obviously, even though you had family in the industry. And um, so what are your feelings about the industry now? Because I know that a lot of people and I have, I've, I've raised my daughter. I've owned my agency for 20 years. My daughter is 24, almost 25. So she's been raised in the industry. She was like, no way. And I really never brought it up to her at all and about a year and a half ago she decided to go ahead and join us and i was like nope you don't want to do this we've talked about this a little bit not a lot she's like she's like i want to do it and i was like nope she's like i want to do it i was like nope finally she just called me one day and said hey mom i just quit my job so when do i start with you and i was like holy tar we're doing this so what is your opinion now that you're a couple years in you've been through with a carrier with a company you've gone and you've seen kind of this process You've even gone through a change of leadership. How do you feel about the industry now that you're in it?
1: Yeah, so I just hit five years in the industry. So I have sort of gotten my feet wet now. But I think that it is so much more than anyone on the outside looking in could ever see. Um, you know, I went to my first conference six months into the to being in insurance. And I was like, oh, my goodness, these people are actually fun. Like I spent my first six months sort of afraid of speaking to agents, you know, afraid they were going to be mad at me. But then you get to a conference and everybody's a person, Um, you know, everybody is there to have fun. They're there to learn. But it was so eye-opening to see people actually, you know, having fun, letting loose, letting their hair down, joking with each other. It wasn't all business all the time. And I think that that's something that's really cool about our industry is that, you know, Yeah, technically, we could all be competition, but we're all also friends. Everybody is there to help each other. And it's just really cool. I don't know that there's another industry that's like our industry.
0: Oh, I would agree. I would agree. And I think back old school business wise, right? People were very cut off from each other. People were very um, like, oh, there's a competition, right? Even though we know that there's, and I always say this, there are billions of people out there in the world, billions. Even if we just want to look at the United States of America, even if we just want to look at our own cities, right? I mean, you live in Atlanta, I live in Dallas, large cities, large populations, and especially if we get licensed in multiple states, whatever. um, I always say that business is kind of like dating, right? It's kind of like you go with whoever you bond with, right? You make friends, but that doesn't mean other women are your competition, right? I mean, everybody's not your competition. And I think the old school methodology of some of that was that everybody is your competition. But I love the fact that I feel like the Internet, and I know that this sounds really stupid, but I feel like the Internet has brought so many people into a community oriented conversation that they were not going to be able to have 15, 20 years ago because we didn't have those resources to be able to connect with agents in Atlanta or Dallas or, you know, Florida or California and I didn't know what was going on with agents in Minnesota and I never would have had friendships with those people and even people down the street maybe I would have been so you know how we are we all have our our lives and our families and we all have our timelines for things we need to get done I walk in the office or I walk into my office which is the dining room because I we have a virtual agency typically right now today I'm in my physical office but I look at things that I'm like I am so focused I don't even answer the phone when my husband calls you know It's like, I am so focused. The idea of having lunch with another agency owner here locally is not even in my wheelhouse. So I love that you're getting out and you're meeting with people and seeing and getting to know the people of the industry, not just the industry.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things to do. I'm a relationship person. And so being able to meet all the different people from different walks, everybody has something to give. I have something to give all of them, whatever it is different. And I heard a speaker at a conference a couple of months ago, and he said, we've got to stop thinking of things as handouts, but hand ups, and we're always helping each other. Um, and I think that our industry really does a good job of giving hand ups and not thinking of it as a handout. So yeah, I don't, I really don't think we could have done this without technology, but you know, I'm glad that I am in the era of the technology.
0: <laughs> I'm going to actually write that down because I love that not a hand up, not a hand out. I love that. Yeah.
1: Herm mm-hmm. Edwards um, said that at a conference. He was an NFL coach. In nice. So, yeah.
0: I love that. And I think that it is the people that take that hand up, right, that do excel in this industry, who sit back and say, what do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And what really suits my personality, who I am, what lifestyle I want to live. And I think that's one thing about the insurance industry that people don't realize is it can give you a very flexible lifestyle. To a large Mm -hmm. degree, Um, I mean, not always every day. You know, we all have demands on us, but there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of camaraderie, and there's a lot of team, and there's a lot of opportunity inside of the insurance industry.
1: Mm -hmm. There is. How
0: how did you learn? How did you? How did you kind of level up in the industry? So we talk about not a handout, a hand up. How have you been able to level up in your industry, going from like you said, mainly copy and paste, to now? (laughs) sales and I know you do focus in on workers comp correct
1: correct yeah so when I started at risk and evictions we were a work on wholesaler and I was a small business new account specialist um, I was a specialist from the first day so I do take that with what you will but it's the title. My title. You go, right take it and run yeah. it the- <laughs> so I've worked on accounts under $15,000 in premium and I would bind anywhere from 50 to 75 accounts a month of small business, and I was literally copying and pasting questions back and forth to the carriers. So I was sitting behind my desk. I had half of the country, so I was seeing, you know, 500 submissions a month. And it was a lot. It was a lot of talking to, agents. yeah, from different places. Um, but it was a lot of copy and paste back and forth, And I hated being behind a desk. As soon as I got out to that first conference, I was like, I want to be a sales rep. That's what I want to do. How can I do it? My bosses were both like, you're not ready for it yet. You know, you're 22. Like, you know, you need to get your feet wet. You need to understand a little bit more. And I hated them at the time for telling me that. But I am so thankful now that I did wait a little bit longer um, to get in because having the background and the technical knowledge of what goes on in the back of the house is definitely or has helped me, you know, push sales and give agents a realistic timeline and timeframe. But both of my bosses have been fabulous and when we sold to GenCap in December of 2018, I guess, they um both kept leadership positions so they didn't sell and leave. So it has been really helpful for me to have those two in my corner helping me move up and, you know, taking my ideas and listening to them and you know, saying, oh, there could be other ways to do what we have been doing for 20 years. You know, we can change it. We can do it your way if you think it's going to work. And um, we always joke that I cowboy a lot of things, you know, I just take it and do with it. And I ask for forgiveness, not permission, um, probably too often, but it hasn't really blown up in my face yet. So I keep doing that. But I think that it's really my management that has helped me elevate myself because they are so open to new ideas and new places, um, and I'm not afraid to ask either. I have never been afraid to ask for anything in my life, and I don't think I'll start being afraid to ask anytime soon.
0: Well, I love that because I think a lot of us are very afraid to ask questions. We think, "Oh, I asked a question ten minutes ago," or we we kind of have like this timer tick, tick tick tick. I can't ask another question, right? I have to wait so many ticks. I have so many days, whatever. So I love the fact that you take that initiative to be able to figure out, work it, make, like you said, maybe ask for forgiveness later. I know that my undergrad degree is elementary education and I taught school for a little bit and I had a older woman who mentored me. She taught science. I taught English. We were in the same kind of cluster where like all the kids kind of moved around between the different teachers, but she was in my grouping and Mm. she was older, ready to retire. She ended up retiring two years in. And she was so sweet. She was like, honey, you just go ahead. You, it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So you just do whatever it is you need to do. And that has stuck with me all these years. Now, I don't do that as easily as I should probably being as old as I am. But <laughs> the reality is, is that whenever I have exercised or flexed that muscle, things have gone really well. And mm. I end up reminding myself when I get to another one of those situations, my like, Teresa. This has been fine in the past whenever you've done this. Where does this fear stem from? Nowhere. Like, it's just literally me. I've not had any problems with being able to step out. And I love that you also go ahead and say, hey, we're going to do this and I'll get my hands slapped. I'll deal with that when the time comes, but we're going to do what we need to do to be able to take care of business. So I love that.
1: Yeah, my philosophy behind that is I think of the worst thing that could happen if I do it. And I think of the best thing that could happen. And the best thing is typically better than the worst. So. That's when I just go with it, so.
0: I love that. I love that. So you ask for the ability to be able to move up and you physically ask for that. You didn't wait for them to come to you. You said, hey, I really wanna be able to be a part of outside sales. And then you, did you stick with that maybe a little bit? Like maybe go back to them and maybe remind them in like a year, hey, I'm still open for this, you know, or whatever that was. Because I know business owners get busy, right? And so sometimes asking for something once isn't necessarily enough. How did you stick with it to be able to show them that you were ready for that promotion when the time came?
1: Yeah, I um, have taken on a couple of different roles since I've gotten into sales. And originally, I just was a sales rep for the state of Georgia. And so we had an opening for the Carolinas, an opening for Georgia. And I said, I'd take either. You know, I know the agents in both of those states let me go. And so I got the state of Georgia to start off with. And um, I did have to remind them, but it was a little bit easier because the sales rep they had hired for Georgia had just left. So it was like, okay, now's my time. Here we go. And so the interview process was long. They had to find somebody to replace me before I could get into that position. They had to interview other people. Um, But so I ended up taking the Georgia position a week before COVID hit. So I got out from behind my desk for a week and then I had to get right back behind my desk. Oh no. It was a little bit anticlimactic there. Um, but I did um, you know, Georgia was I'm sure the same as Texas. After about six months, we were a little lenient. So I got to start traveling in South Georgia, not necessarily Atlanta, but South Georgia, I got to start traveling quite a bit and meeting some of my agents down there. And then we had a marketing rep in the Carolinas leave. And so I was like, well. I can take the Carolinas. It's been underserved for several years. We've had a high turnover rate in the sales position there. Let me just take that. And so I took that. And um, then our Florida salesperson moved to a different division. So I took over Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. So then I had nine states um, that I was covering. And that's what I've been doing since.
0: Nine different states dropping in on agents? Nine. that's That's a lot of driving.
1: Yes. So I um, have had to implement the top 20% of our agents rule. Um, and then, you know, I will see some that are in the general vicinity of the others. But I do a lot of conferences, which allows me to hit a lot of, a of people. So I'm very involved in the independent, the big Eye channel. Um, and I go to every one of those conference and the states that I cover. So that helps me see a lot of people at once, but it's mostly being available for them when they call me or email me or, you know, just being responsive to them and letting them know that we're here. But yes, I do cover nine states right now. And um, very soon I'm taking on a different role in a different sales um, aspect. When are you airing this?
0: <laughs> I know, probably about another month. So today okay, is okay. 8, so okay. probably not going to be till at least like a mid-September, probably.
1: with nbs as they say it in the cool world you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business a k agency don't settle for less do more with mbs for more information about nationwide brokerage solutions visit nbsbrokerage.com
0: cast certified
1: okay so in another couple of weeks i'm taking on a new position Um, as a corporate relationship manager. So I'm going to be dealing... Well, it's a new position, which I asked for. And I am going to be dealing with our carriers and some of our agency partnership groups and aggregators and trying to figure out how GenCap can best serve them and how we can create mutually beneficial relationships between the two. Um, But how I've gotten all these different positions is I've made proposals for things that have never been a job before. (laughs) Created <laughs> my own job description. Explain why I think it's going to be beneficial. Say what I'm going to do in the first, you know, three months of it, and say, you know what, if it doesn't work in six months, you can send me back to what I was doing or find something else for me to do. But I think that we, as a company, need this position, and it's pretty much been ever. Uh, I've gotten the job every time that I've submitted a <laughs> proposal for one. So
0: I've been patient too. So. I think you've been patient. You've waited for the time to kind of come up, and like you said, you created the proposal, and then you worked with them. You're working with them to make mm-hmm. sure that you have the fill space in your current position so you can exit out of that position. So I think that patience conversation is a really big part of this because I think sometimes we, as people, ask for something we want, and we're like, oh, they're not going to give it to me because we, we at the moment we walk out the door, and then all of a sudden people start putting their resume out trying to look for a new job. And I think if we're patient, we look for, we look at what's better, what's best for the company, not just Mm. us. I mean, I think it's a, it's a marriage, right? It's, it's a marriage conversation of what's best for the company, what's best for me. And what's the timeline for both? No, doesn't mean no, it just might not necessarily, it might, it might mean not now, right? It might mean, okay, well then let's, you know, discuss that in another year so that that way we can go ahead and we can say what's best for the company and for you. And maybe then somebody's skills are maybe in a place where they can, um, you know, be ready for that transition. Maybe like you said in the very beginning, you needed a little bit of education and then you you re- reminded them and then they were ready to be able to help you to be able to move forward. So I think that's very, very impactful.
1: Yeah. And patience is not a virtue that I have. Um uh- <laughs> <laughs> But I have had to learn that, you know, this is a great group and it's a group that I want to be with for a very long time. And, you know, I understand the process is now more since I've gone through this, you know, transition three or four times. And uh, yeah, this new position has been a year in the making. I gave them this proposal last July and they tweaked it a little bit. So I was open to a little bit of change. I only wanted to do work comp. They wanted me to do all lines. So now we're coming in for all lines, and you know it'll be fun and exciting and new, but it's a lot of learning together, um, and a lot of I'm not going to be able to shoot from the hip as much as I have been, so a little bit more patience for me in that aspect as well. Yeah, so
0: absolutely. But I love that you're open to being able to learn new things. I know that you've been a work comp specialist, and mm. um, that has really been where you've been at. How have you found the workers comp industry in general? to be um, for you, like I, th- I think workers comp, depending on the state, because different states are different, right? Like most states, like they're the monopoly states, they're the states like New Jersey and Texas they don't even require workers comp, I don't know why, but they don't. Anyway, but it's like such a screwed up thing. And of course I'm in Texas, yep. so that kind of screws, you know, I'm like, Wah. but But um, how have you found that journey through with learning the work comp? Because work comp is very different from, other types of insurance and it and it's it's graded and it's it's determined differently and it's it changes differently and the insurance agent and the carrier's relationship with workers comp is different from others how have you been able to level up your education and stay kind of on top of that because it's it's a, and then moving into different types of insurance it's a different mindset
1: mm-hmm yeah. So the work comp space, I think we're the only line of business right now that's soft and easy to place. So everybody's saying the rest of the market is chaos, but workers comp is also chaos because it's never been this soft before. And carriers don't know how to act. <laughs> they are putting so much credit on everything, which they can. Their Their loss ratios are great. It makes sense for them to do so. But everyone's just so confused as to how it's so cheap right now. Um, and you know, medical costs are rising, um, wages are rising, but on the flip side of wages rising, that's how we base our work comp. So if you're paying somebody five years ago, half the price or half the salary that you're paying them now, so say you're paying a construction worker ten $10 five years ago, an hour, and now you're paying them $20 an hour, then that's double the work comp premium for the same risk or even less of a risk because everybody is so concerned with safety now we've got so much more technology. We've got so much more attention to um safety protocol. And we also have a lot more machines doing work than we had before. So less human labor. So I mean, we are just crazy. People keep saying it's gonna get hard and we've just quit saying that at our company, you know, it's just gonna be soft. It's not gonna be a drastic turn like a property market. There's not gonna be a cat that's gonna take it out. But you know, it is just so interesting. And it's so, I would say fluid, but it keeps going down. So it's not that fluid, but you have so much to learn all the time, even with it just being easy to place business right now. Um, so I am, I read business insurance every day, like a little old man reading eating, or drinking my coffee, living through business insurance instead of the newspaper. And I have the CAWC certified authority of workers' compensation. Um, designation i got it a couple of months into the industry but that's the only designation i have at the moment i probably need to brush that up but i just say i listen to podcasts about it i read articles on linkedin i'm on linkedin all the time if i'm sitting at my desk not going through emails i'm flipping through linkedin um you know it's just there's so much information out there now that it's almost your fault if you're not in like in the know about things in your industry you know, there's just so many different viewpoints and perspectives and different ways to look at things and different ways to do things. Having an open mind and just looking through different articles people have posted or written about or whatever. That's that's how I keep up with it. It's LinkedIn, business insurance, whatever.
0: Um, Have you found that people are really embracing some of those uh, workers' comp certifications? And um I see more and more and more people, I think, um, leveling up. They're, and again, not taking the hand out, taking the hand up for Mm -hmm. education. I think we've, um, for most of my career, I was told to always just do the, you know, just go online, do the web CE, 30 hours, whatever, just do it online, just get it done. You just click here, 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 here. I like chocolate ice cream, whatever it is, you know, kind of Uh thing. And you just kind of move on. But I have loved the fact that maybe it's just the fact that I'm running with different people. And I think that's probably a big part of it too. Um, I'm running with higher level professionals now, but I think more people are embracing those certifications, like what you're talking about, and they're getting the higher level certifications too, not just the baseline. And have you seen that that's really helped agencies and their knowledge about the workers comp industry and even how workers comp plays with other industries specifically?
1: I do. And um, to go along with that, a lot of agents are leading with workers' comp is what they're calling it because you can, if you come in and you say you're going to manage the risk and you're going to help make a business safer, you're going to lower their experience mod, which then lowers their workers' comp premium. And um, the knowledge that, that people are gaining about you know an experience mod and what it really takes to make it change is crazy because you know I worked with agents, a ton of agents, whenever I first started. And it was like, what's an experience mod? And now I get that question a whole lot less, which is a very, <laughs> a very good sign. But the group of people in the channels that you run in, I'm sure in the channels that I run in, I um, work with David Carruthers a lot in his group in the killing commercial community. Um, they are very, you know, knowledgeable about workers comp and about safety and everything. They um, work a lot with the Institute of Workers' Compensation. Um, And they all or most of them are getting the certification that they provide now to follow workers comp. And uh, it's just really fun from our perspective to see people actually learning about it because we're getting a lot less submissions in that are bare minimum. And I will tell everyone this, if you send in the bare minimum, you're getting back the bare minimum. so you go to the bottom of the stack if all we get is a barely completed accord. <laughs> so and that's the same with any com- company at all for any line of business. You give the bare minimum, you are getting the bare minimum. Um, but so it's nice to see agents elevating their game because then it helps us elevate our game to our carriers. It helps the whole entire line of the process work. And the more knowledge you have, knowledge is power. And you're going to be more successful if you have more knowledge. So true.
0: So true. And I think we can help our client we can help like a carrier we can help the turnaround time so that we can help the client <laughs> faster and to be able to close that business faster and Absolutely. i don't think it takes i mean how long and i i don't know the answer to this question so i'm honestly asking how long yeah. does it take for that initial certification for the workers comp I, I can't remember exactly which i don't have it i'll be very honest i worked on my cic um I do not have that. It is one of them that's on my bucket list of things to be able to get after I get my CIC. So tell me a little bit, how long does that initial certification take to be able to, I mean, I know it might be multiple courses, you take them at your own time, but like if you wanted to power through it, how long would that generally take out of a person's life?
1: Yeah. So I have the CAWC, which is different than the Institute of Workers' Comp one. This one was um, by Accident Fund. I think they still do it. And they have classes that travel around the country. And when I did it, it was 2018. So prior to COVID, I didn't have like an online course, but four days, I think is what it was. We sat in the classroom for six hours a day for three days and then took a test at the end. And I mean, it was super painless and easy. And um, But I think it's very similar with the Institute of Workers' Comp. I think it's they can come to your office and it's like a one week or less program. And then I'm sure that they have online options now since everything's gone remote in the last few years, but it's very painless. It's not like a CIC where it takes you multiple years <laughs> to take all the different classes. Um, it's very easy to get. And it's very helpful for you to figure out all the minute details about work or at that. least brush the surface of it. You know. I
0: love that. I love that. And I think that's really important because I think some very people are afraid of being able to jump into a course because they mm-hmm. think it's going to take them forever. They think, you know, oh, you know, it's not really gonna benefit me and my business, that kind of thing. And yeah. I think that the having those certifications is so important because, like we said, it helps the client, it helps us to be able to get more uh more applications through and it helps do it faster, and it helps us to be able to close more business and close better business, right? Yes. Be there for the client and be there for our companies. Can mm-hmm. you generally, and this is my impression is I think I can kind of tell, if you will whenever people have some of those certifications, right? Because they speak different words. They give you more than just the questions you ask for. They give you some information up front. So do you see that you can tell a difference just whenever you're talking and relating to those people that do have those certifications?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I do whenever I'm emailing back and forth with agents or just communicating with them is I dumb it down very much because if you don't know what I'm asking for, I will explain it obviously, but it's more helpful if I can just send the first email from my phone with abbreviations of things and be like, hey, I need this from you. I need the EMR, you know, whatever. And if they can just shoot it back, it's like, okay, this agent knows what we're talking about. This agent knows workers' comp. It's so much easier to just move things along. And I don't know that we, I would say that we judge people off of that, but information quicker and they know exactly what you need when you ask for it. It's very, very helpful for us. And, you know, on the other page of that, if they don't have the certifications, um, after we explain it to them once, like, hey, this is what I need. That's what I like to do for an expedited quoting process. I'll need these things. And I'll list out, you know, a court experience mod loss runs, um, a supplemental and send them one. And then, you know, tell me what's the worst thing that could happen to an employee at this job site and how it's not going to happen. That's literally what I need to know, how the worst thing is not going to happen. Um, and then if they continue to do that, those go to the top of the stack. It's just learning from whatever aspect, even if it's just something we ask for once, if that becomes your norm when you're sending it in, then that's so helpful. And that expedites the process from the very beginning.
0: I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Is really coming to the table prepared, you know, mm-hmm. some of those with some of that information. So. Yeah. I love it. I know you're going into this new role and you're going to be working with a little bit more of, uh, you had mentioned clusters, groups, trying to be able to kind of help some of those.
1: What are you most excited about, about your new role? I'm excited to make different connections. You know, I've met a ton of people in the short amount of time that I've been in the business. I feel like I am fairly well connected. And, you know, I am a relationship builder, I think more than a salesperson. And I do have a, pushy a little bit of personality. So that makes me a salesperson inside of my relationship building. But what I love the most about it is the relationship building. So I'm excited to build relationships with the different groups of people. And you know, obviously I'm still keeping my relationships, but I feel like you can never have too many relationships, especially in a business like this. Yeah. Um, um, so that's what I'm looking forward to the most.
0: I love it. I love it. And if you could give Somebody who wants to get into workers' comp or somebody who wants to maybe work for a carrier with workers' comp or mm-hmm. somebody who even in an agency wants to get into selling workers' comp. What is the best advice that you can give them, people who want to be able to enter into a more workers' comp centric environment for their career? Okay. Um, kind of a weird question, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know no, some people, Some people love workers' comp and they really want to do more of it. Or maybe they want to specialize in it. They don't want to just have it be a piece of what they offer. They want to really dig into it. So, you know, and with personal lines and and everything being so off the crazy wall right now, I wouldn't think that they're I mean, I'm definitely I, I would definitely think there'll be people who go, well, if workers comp is a more stable area, you know, yeah. um, on that. Um, how could they how could they get a more information or level up their career in the workers comp conversation?
1: Yeah, I would say reach out to people that are knowledgeable about it. Going back to the handouts, not handouts, everybody, you know, if they're posting about it online, they'd love to talk to you about it. Um, You know, if you see them post something on LinkedIn, hit them a note and say, hey, can you give me a call? I'd like to discuss that. Or, you know, if you see somebody excelling in it or they can give me a call, I don't care. Uh, You know, it's just asking for information and talking to people about What it is that they're doing that, you know, see somebody who you want to do something similar to them and ask them, hey, how'd you get into that? What else can I do? Um, Education is obviously so important, um, but also building a community around you that is like minded helps a lot, too.
0: Love it. I love it. Well, you know, Carrie, people want to reach out to you. How can they reach out to you so that way they can either ask you a question or get to know you a little bit better and or your industry?
1: Yeah. So you can hit me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash Carrie Cheeks, or you can text me, call me, whatever, at 706-979-4404. I'm typically always glued to my phone. So you can text me, call me, whatever.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been wonderful. And I really, really appreciate you talking to us about Workers' Comp. So thank you so
1: much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. (sighs) Blast.
0: And next Just time Dallas or in the area, let me know, because, you know, we can we'll get love cocktails. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Exactly. That's speaking my language, girl. Well, everybody, this has been another awesome, amazing episode of the Power Women and in Insurance podcast. We have been with today with Carrie Cheeks with Jen Cap, and we are thrilled today to be able to have her as our guest. Please note, we do have a new guest every single Wednesday. And we can find us on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do stream your podcast. We are there. And so therefore, go ahead and check us on out every single week, talk to another amazing woman in the insurance space. So everybody, until next week, Wednesday, I will talk to you soon.